Hi, my name is Brandon, and you're about to listen to a sermon exhortation from Redemption City Church. Now, regardless of who's communicating on today's message, the one ask that we have for you is that you would test all things by the Word of God, holding fast to what is true. That comes out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Now, if you are not a part of our local church, this is important. Please lean in. We hope and we pray that this sermon today would be a supplement and not a substitute for you leaning into your local church as your primary place where you're being edified. We believe that the Bible describes and prescribes loudly that the best way for us to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus is to be around other believers in the context of consistent community. That is so important for your life. So without any further ado, I do pray that today's uh, message would be convicting and challenging and ultimately encouraging for your soul and your walk. Grace and peace. Good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Awesome. Hey, let's just pop it up for doing a church in the house and doing it well. All the people have come to put service on. That's awesome. If you don't know, my name is Brandon, and I'm an elder, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption City Church, and you've come on a great morning to learn all about who we are as a church. And so if this is your first time here, um, really there's no better opportunity for you to kind of say, like, what what is this church about, where, where we come from, and hopefully where are we hoping to go? And so um, we believe that the way we do that is by having a clear DNA and a clear vision, okay? And so, and, and a clear mission. And so we're going to look at that right now. What is the mission of Redemption City Church? And so here's that mission. Redemption City Church exists to glorify God by making disciples through gospel-centered worship, service, covenant family and multiplication. We are resolved to risk our comfort so that we might reach our city with a message that can release freedom in Jesus in order that many would experience a redeemed life in Christ. Now, I want you to hear me out. If you are someone who's been regularly attending our church um, Sunday in and Sunday out, or you are a covenant member, if you're in one of those categories, you've been coming often on Sundays, or you've already made your big decision, right, to become a covenant member, here is my question for you, and it's on the screen. How are you presently risking your comfort so that you might be best positioned to reach the city? I want you to write that down, because you're not going to be able to answer that fully here. I want you to take that question home with the Lord. How am I presently risking my comfort so that I, as an individual, might best be positioned to reach this city? How can you move the needle more? What are you going to do in your life practically? Don't let this question just kind of pass by one ear, in one ear and out the other. How can you really take a step as someone who's attending this church, especially if you're a covenant member, to risk your comfort? When we step out of our comfort zone, it's where God can be seen brightest. So if you have your Bibles, and I really, really hope you do, we're going to be using them just for a moment today, but I want to open them up to Acts chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. 
And so we are reading in the ESV version. Um, one of our general ministry intern, Orion, helped. He wanted to remind me that I need to remind us as a church. And I thought, you know, you know what's so great about having a team atmosphere? We all can help each other when we kind of miss things. And so we use the ESV um, version of the Bible here. We believe, me and Pastor Jack as elders and pastors of this church, believe that the ESV version of the Bible is the best translation that gives us a combination of a word-for-word translation that stays faithful to the original text, all right? And so that is why we choose the ESV. If you are a covenant member of our church, we really, really do strongly encourage you to make that step of transitioning to the ESV Bible so that you can be a part of our discipleship culture. And as a leader, you'll be able to um, speak in unity with what we're sharing as well. And that goes for everyone else that's also coming. So um, here is what we're going to be in just a little bit. Today's title of the sermon is Vision Sunday, Part 1. And the message is titled this, The Redemption City Church Story. This is chapter one of that story, and it's a statistically unlikely church plant. And that is what we are. We are a statistically unlikely church plant. And today we're going to be exploring the history of our church. We're going to be looking at why we were planted. Why does Redemption City Church exist? What makes us unique? Why has God called us specifically to be a church? We're going to look at what have we accomplished so far as a church? What have we done so far? How has God used us amongst ourselves and in our community. And then we're going to look at some joyful things that we can expect as we move forward and prepare for our Saturday night service in part two. And then from there, we'll kind of close the kind of the video recorded portion of the sermon. And then we're going to have some more family discussions about kind of who's on our team and and what are some important events coming up and and all sorts of things. And so um, let's jump into Acts chapter 14 before I pray so we can kind of have a compass in the scripture for what we're doing today. This is out of Acts 14, verses 25 through 27. And this is the word of the Lord. It says, And when they, and they being spoken about, this is Paul and Barnabas, okay? And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Adalia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they, they declared all that God had done with them hmm. and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. You see, God has been so incredibly grace, gracious and merciful to us as a church. And we've been commended and commissioned to do a specific work. And we're going to talk about what that work is and how we could be proud and confident as a covenant family to do our part in our city with no fear. And that's the goal. No fear and no regrets for what God has called us to do. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Creator of the heaven and the earth, we praise you for your grace towards us. We praise you for your love towards us. How incredible your love is, God and that you would call us chosen and adopted children of God. You are our Father, and we bow our heads right now before you in honor. Now, Father, we are saying proudly and loudly that we need your help this morning. We need you to increase our faith. We need you to increase our capacity to see you and to know you and to see how magnificently you weave stories together for your purposes. Teach us how to love one another, how to serve one another, how to encourage one another so that we might be strong and healthy and vibrant church to a city filled with utter darkness. Therefore, Holy Spirit, give us boldness to preach the gospel. Give me boldness to preach your word. 
to share how you've moved us from our stories into your story and why that story is the story we want to be gladly on. Help us to know and then to share our church story. Embed that in our hearts and in our DNA today. Help us to be faithful to the Great Commission and all the things that we do for all the days of our life that you would give us breath to breathe in our lungs. Holy Spirit, make us a church that is faithful in the little so that we might be entrusted by you with much, God. We have to be faithful with our little church community, faithful with the finances you've given us, faithful as servant leaders, faithful with every interaction that you give us so that you may entrust us with more. We're saying today, Lord, that we want to be entrusted with more. We, we want our church to grow. We want to see you do big things in our church, Lord, but we want deep things to supersede all things that we do. So help us to have the right heart and the right mindset. Help us to be proud of being children of God. I long to do the best possible job I can this morning. Holy Spirit, give me that strength. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So let's talk about stories this morning. You know, ever since I was just a, a young boy, I've been fascinated with story. Um, whether it was just creating books, I don't know. Some, um, I don't know if you remember Sherry. I would create my little books when I was like seven or eight years old, and I would color on them and make little stories and staple them with the with a little staple gun. And I'd be so excited to share it with my parents. Say, look, I, I got a new story. Or or with my action figures, right? I would make this these elaborate, imaginative worlds, like elaborate, like hundred action figures, and I would build all these things. And I love, I love stories. They're powerful. Um, in fact, as I grew older, I would start to notice that storytelling was a part of a spiritual gift that God gave me, specifically helping people to see their story, activating into their story. For those of you who know, I do pastoral coaching and, and counseling, and, and the anthem of that, that coaching practice, the AYPB Center, is that we would help people to achieve their personal best in the Lord by discovering and integrating all of the gifts that God has given them so that they can glorify God and be satisfied with their lives, with the gifts you've been given. That's my whole anthem. That's, what, that's my hope. That's what I want to do with my life. I want to help people to understand their story in light of God. Now, in every well-constructed story, we're here to tell a story today, in every well-constructed story, I have personally identified three major steps to the story. Whether that's a story on TV, a movie, a biblical narrative, there, there, there's, there's, you can break it down into 10 steps, but there's three major categories. And I want to tell you how I kind of faithfully, when I write a story, when I write a blog, or when I'm doing a sermon, there's, there's three parts to how I work that out. Here, here, here it is right here. There's first the beginning segment of a story. Okay, so this is the origin story underneath the story where background information is given and a trajectory of what potential adversity is to come is reasonably set. I want you to think deeply with me because we're going somewhere. There's, this is how a, a story usually begins. There's something happening underneath. Maybe the, if you're watching a movie, it kind of starts at a random point and they're telling a, a, a underneath part of the story before they jump into the main part of the story. And while we're talking about this today as a family, I want you to explore, I'm gonna reveal shortly, what part of the story are we in? at Redemption City Church. The second part of a story is the middle segment of the story. Here's how I think through that. This is the point where what was once unclear, right? You start the movie, you start the book, you, you don't know where it's really going unless you're one of those, like kind of the, the, the ones that go to Barnoble's, you kind of cheat, you look at like 
five to 10 pages in the middle. Don't do that. It's so weird, right? This is the point where what, where what was once unclear from the beginning becomes more clear. You're starting to understand what's going on. You're starting to build a hope. You're starting to anticipate some things. The climax is readily approaching and the adversity is approaching its height. It's often where the character or characters within the story have critical decisions to make that could then therefore lead to multiple destinations, right? Multiple destinations. Some of these destinations, depending on what the character chooses, are going to obviously lead to better desires than others, different landing places. So that's the middle segment. And then finally, there's the transition segment of the story. This is the point where the overarching adversity and climax has been realized and at least partially navigated. The transition doesn't always conclude with something resolved or good or warm or fuzzy, but there's a type of resolution or at minimum a transition that usually occurs. Now, I want you to notice that there's a word crossed out. What word is that? End. End. And it's replaced with transition. If you look carefully at your favorite story, put it in your mind right now, whatever your favorite story is in a book or go movie or whatever it is, there's really never an end. End is a powerful thing. There's really not an end. There's more of a transition. Here's an example. How many of you guys seen The Lion King? I tried to pick something we all seen. Raise your, oh, really? You gotta participate. How many of you watched The Lion King? That's what I thought, there you go. <laughs> all right, so as you know, the movie ends. Simba, he takes over the Pride Land, he, right? He reclaims his throne. It's a big, great thing. They're celebrating. All the animals are doing all that. And Mufasa, his dad's happy from Lion King heaven and everybody's happy, right? He takes his rightful place. But the story doesn't end. It ends with you left with questions. What does it look like? this new kingdom under the rule and the reign of Simba. And how will that rule be different than Scar? What about his mom, Zarabi? What is, what's her part now? She was kind of cast out to the side with the rest of the, is she brought back into the fold? We're left with questions and the story transitions. This is why we have Lion King part two and three. And then it goes, gets really watered down, right? They shouldn't do that. Let's think about the Marvel Avengers movie, right? Any one of them, it ends with a victory. There's some type of a victory that happens. Iron Man leans in and does something amazing, or the Hulk smashes everything, or Captain America does his annoying thing and tells everybody to be better, you know, citizens, or something like that, right? So there's an ending, but there's always a transition with usually, uh, what's his name? Uh, patch on his face, right? Uh, somebody help me out. Nobody help me out. Fury, thank you. So then it comes with Fury. And he's always transitioning the story to its next point. You tracking with me? Oh, one more example. How many of you guys seen Titanic, right? You're like, oh, no, that's like, that's a true ending, Pastor Brent. No, that's why I want to pick something that can be, a, can allude to an end, but it's not an end. It is a transition. So you know how this goes. You got Rose, you got Jack, you got the water, you got a big piece of wood that they both can fit on. <laughs> But Jack doesn't get on it because it's a movie. He, he dies, Jack, Jack, Jack. He falls, th sorry, Pastor Jack. He goes down, he goes down into the water. It goes back into current time. Rose is old. The story ends or transitions. 
she has so many stories to be told. She literally told a story. Do you know that Titanic movie was a course of a couple days of a quick romance that just took her heart? What a vibrant life. You're left with, what else did Rose do with her life if she could have that much? I mean, she had more life than most of us our whole life in those days, in, in a couple days, right? And so the story transitions. Even something as dramatic as a death is more of a transition, more than it is an end, right? So you, you have people from different faith backgrounds that believe that when you die, this death, it leads to reincarnation. We believe it leads to eternal life. Both are a transition, not an end. So what does this mean? This means that all stories are more like chapters. They're more like seasons that are transitioning forward to their next story. Now, of course, we believe as Bible-believing Christ... Thank you for breaking that down, Pastor Jack. That was really great. Now, of course, we believe as Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christians that our Heavenly Father is the great author and the best storyteller of all time, right? His stories never get old. They're always right on time. Indeed, He is weaving and, and, and permeating a story in each and every one of you, including me. This is true. And what's beautiful is when God takes one person's story and another person's story, and another person's story, and he collides them together and builds something very beautiful. And that's what we're here to talk about this morning. We're going to see how the Lord is weaving a collective story and moving the needle to an overarching story. And I want to invite you into what that story is. So it's going to, be, it's going to happen like this. I want to show you how God has brought a story into my heart and into my life and how that happened. And where it came from. I want you to know where Dim City Church comes from. So we're going to have an intimate conversation today. And then I, want to, uh, then I want to build a bridge and show you how he brought just a few people. And he collided that vision and that story he gave me with a few others. And, and the adversity that happened. Because I want you to see how big and faithful our God is. And then I want you to see how that, that story transitioned to another story. And how it brought more people, and then more people, and then eventually how it, it came to each and every one of you. So we can sing and raise a hallelujah to the Lord. Does that sound like a good way to spend some time this Sunday morning? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to do that. We're going to explore chapter one of our story. And it starts with us looking at ten critical events that led to our birth. And it starts with the transition. The transition. October 22nd, 2012. In the early afternoon, Brandon's life would change forever as he would suffer a catastrophic chiropractic accident that left him severely debilitated from the neck down. Thank you, Ezekiel. Um, I, I'm never going to forget this day. Um, it was just a normal day. Um, I won't speak about it too much. We're going to be watching a video, a video shortly. And um, what I can tell you is that I did not wake up as a 26-year-old young man thinking that my life was going to radically change forever. The chiropractor was someone who was a part of the church I was at. Um, he'd been there for several years, seven, eight years. His, his uh, nephew, son in our youth group, um, just lo I love the family. They love me. He, I had some shoulder pain. He said, come down whenever you want, pastor. I'll treat you for free. Came to his office. He did a couple of manipulations, and immediately I knew something was going to be dramatically wrong. And this is the transition of my story from being a 26-year-old pastor preparing to be the senior pastor of Reach Worship Center, along with my lovely wife, my three-year-old son, and my one-year-old daughter. And then my story transitioned. It didn't end 
Even though I thought it was ending, there were many days that I thought my story is over. But, the, but what God has shown me is that it was a transition. And I want you to have hope in your stories when they feel like you're at the end. But there's no such thing. There's always an opportunity for a transition. And that led to suffering and loss. Suffering and loss. March 2013. With nearly five months of intense adversity and financial hardship, Brandon, Jillian, and their children Aiden and Aubrey will lose their home, hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills, and so much more. After relinquishing his responsibilities as a pastor and halting the grooming process of becoming the senior pastor of Reach Worship Center, Brandon was diagnosed with small nerve fibroneuropathy, Lyme disease, and a high cervical injury near the brainstem. During this season, the Lord would begin performing the surgical work Brandon needed within his heart. Um, <laughs> those five months were filled with travel after travel, hundreds and hundreds of miles, labor from my wife, my parents, my godparents, my siblings, um, Stanford University, USC, Kaiser's, Eden Medical Center. I, I remember all these names. I remember the doctor's faces. No answers. Getting worse. Giving me all kinds of diagnoses and theories. And I was utterly, utterly lost. All that confidence I had as a pastor. All that exhorting. All that big talk from the Bible. It wasn't until I was facing death. Dying in my body. I remember traveling home from San Francisco from an appointment to see a chronic pain top renowned specialist. And I, my, I feel like my heart was stopping. Um, I started passing out. I believe I was with Jillian. And then we had to stop at the emergency room. And um, they had to give me IVs. And I mean, just issues after issues, not being able to figure it out. Um, I was depressed. <laughs> I didn't understand what God was doing. I thought it was connected to my sin. I wasn't faithful enough. My private world wasn't right. If I would have, I should have, and I could have. And all I saw was loss everywhere. I could no longer pick up my children. I could not embrace my wife. And um, I definitely felt like I was approaching the end of my story. And so that led to the next thing that usually has to happen. And if you're su suffering right now, I don't know what kind of suffering you may have. It may be physical right now. You may have something emotionally going on, relationally going on, and it feels like you're losing more than you want to lose. Um, and I want to invite you to know that the God of the universe is still working a story in your life, but it does require surrender. If you try to hold on to your life, the word of God promises us in 1 John that you're going to lose it. And I spent a lot of time trying to hold on to it, and I was losing it faster and faster. But it was at the moment when I said, I surrender to you, God. And then I had to learn what it means to surrender because we always say big things like that to the God. I surrender. Okay, but God, God is not like Jesus. You can't touch God. How do you surrender? How do you, how do you honor him with the words that I surrender in your actual life? I had to learn what it means to move from a verbal surrender to a life of surrender. Tracking? And so that led to the surrender. The surrender. April 2014, learning slowly how to surrender it all, Brandon experienced a God moment outside the hotel while out of town with his wife, Jillian, who was attending a work conference. 
Brandon made the resolve to believe by faith that he would plant a church despite serious physical disabilities and no medical data that pointed to a path of recovery. He immediately shared this resolve with his wife on their drive home. For over two hours, he talked about a burning desire to see people healed, redeemed, and their stories changed. I want you to notice um, something really important. Go back to the previous slide. It says... The previous slide had, it's okay. The previous slide said March of 2013. Now on this next slide, the surrender, which we're going to put back up, it says March of 2014. Excuse me, April of 2014. That's about a year. And if you're reading carefully with me, it says I was learning slowly. So it took a year for me to learn how to stop gripping onto my life, crawling for it. And even after a year, I was in a learning process. Hey, you have got to give yourself mercy. God has sent his son, Jesus, to pay for your sin, to move you out of your story into God's story. And that blood is not just covering sin, but is covering how we walk in sanctification. Give yourself grace as God is working in your life. You have to allow God to do a work. It's not going to happen overnight. The best work and the best food takes time, right? It takes time. Um, in this surrendering process, and, and I remember, so I didn't want to go like anything else. I wanted to just kind of sit around and kind of kind of sulk and do all those things. But Jillian was like, come on. It's, it's basically like a free little mini vacation. You know, it was on some resort. I don't even remember this, where, exactly where the city was. Um, she was with a company um, for the city, and she's gone for most of the day, and, and I'm just sitting there. And I just have this, this, this moment with the Lord, just this peace that surpasses all understanding. It wasn't that the heavens didn't open, the birds didn't start talking to me, and the worms didn't come out of the ground and sing hallelujah. Um, but it was, just, it, was, it, was, it was a resolve. It was, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm so done. And I'm ready to do it your way. But I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> so show me what it looks like to do it your way. And then I got in the car and I just was talking my ears off. And Jillian didn't know what was going on because I was, that was like my first time just being vibrant. I was like, I'm, I want to plant a church and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And she's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And mind you, I can't put my shirt on. I can't eat, do anything on my own. Like, nothing. So she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Almost, you know, kind of soothing me. <laughs> like, it's going to be okay. But I wasn't playing. And I was serious about what the Lord had put on my heart. And he is the great supplier. The great supplier. June 2014. Through the providential workings of God in Los Angeles, Brandon met a world-renowned therapist who had a practice in Beaverton, Portland, Oregon. With the blessing and the financial support of various members at Reach Worship Center, Brandon began monthly travels to Beaverton, Oregon individually and then with a helper for specialized medical treatment. How many know that our God is a good supplier? Amen. How many know that God is the best supplier? Amen. How many of us know that God is the only supplier? <laughs> see, see, man. So I have all these great things to talk about at how he supplied. But what's first important is I had a surrender. God always could supply. But what he wanted was my surrender. Let me say it again. 
God is always ready to supply because he's faithful and he does what he says he's going to do. He stays true to his word. But what he waits upon is our surrender. You want more, you want more supplying from God? Surrender more of your life to God. Because the more you lose your life, the more what? The more you will gain it. That's what the word of God tells us. And so as I learned to surrender my life to the God of the universe, and I'm going to mention it again, what does that mean? We can't do that today in a sermon, but I want to pose questions so that you want to know more. So you think about it deeply. Talk to Pastor Jack. Talk to a mentor. What, is it, what does it even mean? How do I surrender more? Don't just go to church, hear something that sounds peaceful for 30 minutes and not do your student work to grow in your relationship. That's half the problem, folks. We come, we hear good things. It tickles our ears. I want to surrender. That sounds great. And then we sing and you take no steps in surrender. Take a step. Get someone in your life that can help you surrender. So as I began to surrender more, God supplied more. And I met Timothy Hodges, who works on Barnes Road out here. And he is a world-renowned therapist. He works on um, we're recording the, the sermon, so I'm not going to mention he'd be very upset. He works on very, very famous people, and he told me not to mention those things. Um, think of the most famous. He works with them, and God brought me into a collision in Los Angeles at a conference he was at, and that led me to make my first travels out here. But here's the thing. I couldn't travel out here on my own. I had already spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills. Me and my wife had lost our house. We had lost... Um, one of our vehicles, we were living with my parents again. Talk about pride, being a man. I didn't like any of it. But my church supplied for us financially. They put on a little campaign, and that money sent me to Oregon because that's what a covenant family does. When the Sanders family had little, beautiful, Redemption City Church baby Tallulah, we got the opportunity to love on them well because that's what he, that's what we do. God is the great supplier and he supplies through his people. So that's a little clue to surrender, how that works horizontally as well. And so that led to increased faith. As he supplied more, my faith increased as well. Increased faith. September 2014. Pastor Brandon, Jillian, and three church members of Reach Worship Center Justin and Vanessa Chow and Adrian Hernandez made the collaborative resolve to relocate to Beaverton, Oregon and to trust God to heal Brennan and strengthen him to lead them towards the vision of a church plant in the area. The collision of his story and their stories had begun. Jobs and positions were given up as they all trusted God by faith. I would not be here without Justin and Vanessa and Adrian. I want them to know that. I want they are following our story, Redemption City Church, all three of them. And I want to bless them and honor them um, as they deserve to be honored. Um, Justin is a, um, I met Justin when he was in high school. I was his coach. I discipled him out of Shaoism, and, um, which is not the normal uh, conversion story that many pastors have, but God is good and is faithful. And we went on a journey out of Shaoism into a relationship with the God of the universe. And he had much, much adversity. You wanna talk about family issues, and um, I, I can't get into the details, but he was tested well by the Lord about how much he was gonna serve God. And he grew up and came to our church, and then his, level, his lovely wife, before she was his wife, Vanessa, came to our church. 
They went through premarital counseling. I was tough on them. I even had them separate for like four months because there were things that were not right. I asked them to put it in order. They did it well. They got married. He became a worship leader in our church. Beautiful, beautiful story. Adrian was someone I've been discipling since he was 13. I was like 19 when I met him. Helped him to grow up in the faith. He made the resolve at 17 that God called him to the pastorate. Stayed faithful to that call. Remains faithful to that call. Went to, went to Vanguard University. Got his degree there. These three individuals said, we're going to go with you. We're going to move to Beaverton. And we're going to trust God to not only heal you, but to plant a church. We believe in that vision. These are young couples, right? So when, we, when I moved here, I think I was around 28. I'm not sure. They were about 23, something in there. And they made that resolve. His lovely wife, Vanessa, gave up her job in the pharmacy. He gave up his job working for national security, but medical disability. Adrian gave up his job in Stockton as well. And they relocated out here by faith. No job. My wife relocated out here. No job. We had, a, we had a little bit of money, they had a little bit of money, and we moved into Cedar Crest Apartments where some of you have visited me at. That was the apartment we got. And all six of us jammed into that apartment. And we had church together on Saturday nights with us and, our, and Aiden being loud and distracting. <laughs> and they were faithful. I then went to Seattle for special treatments. The bill was over $8,000 to do this. Justin and Vanessa paid for it in full. All these type of things. They were faithful. Adrian would drive me around because I literally was laying on a bed over 10 to 12 hours a day with a crane over my neck so I could watch TV on an iPad. Um, they would help me dress. They would squeeze my legs for me to keep blood circulation going on. They would, Adrian would drive me down and let me look at the water, sit me at the park, pick me up, take me home, help me lay down. Help me eat faithfulness. And all I saw was a big God and big people. Big God and big people. But even when we're growing, and this is where people get sometimes when we get rocked by this world. God's moving. We're seeing things happen. Our faith is increasing. And then the next adversity will hit. And then we doubt God. So this was the doubt in the desert. Doubt in the desert. 2015. But things medically for Brandon did not significantly progress. Great discouragement was abounding, and God appeared dramatically silent. As Brandon continued to struggle to make real, tangible progress, Brandon realized the hope of planting the church, and with it, his great friends also transitioned home to continue their steps in life. But it is here in which God would do his greatest work of redemption. This is a tough year. Um, this is right around when... My sister Brianna was transitioning. My parents were transitioning. Um, I just believed so deeply that God had a church plant on my heart. Um, but I just, I, I was like, man, I'm not seeing you moving, Lord. I'm not, I mean, I'm not progressing at all. And sometimes I, I was getting worse. I was needing more care. I was already at almost eight hours a week in therapy. I needed more. Jillian's having a hard time. I mean, we, we're, we're petitioning, writing letters, trying to get a discount with Tim, and, and, and we just, no light, no light. Um, I love Adrian. I love Justin and Vanessa, and there came a point in time where I said, you, you, I, I got to release you guys. They're so, fa they, they probably would have just stood right there, right? And, uh, and maybe they should have, because God was still working. And maybe that was an act of my lack of faith 
and not theirs, but I released them um, and, and they went home and transitioned so they could, you know, continue to take their steps in life. And, and I set and, and, and I spent, I don't know how much time, but pretty much my life became, my sister would put me on the porch at Cedar Crest over in Aloha and I would sit there all day. And I would pray and think and ask God what he was doing next. And during this time, even though there was doubt, and even though I could not see, what I didn't recognize, and I can see when I look backwards, is that he was still teaching me what it means to endure. And I was learning about endurance. Learned endurance. January 2016. Now with the confidence, Brandon resolved to hold fast to the anthem that he would make much of Jesus Christ in all things. And with that, making much of Christ's ministries was launched. As the ministry progressed, an opportunity to speak at a leadership conference for Sunrise Church presented itself. And that invitation would lead Brandon into the next phase of redemption. What happened in between, excuse me, in between the doubt in the desert, sitting on the porch, and the learned endurance that made me catapult into making much of Christ's ministries and never stopped since 2016? I had to give God my story. See, I, I had locked on to a story that I was focused on, and it was still rooted in some, some, too, too much of Brandon. It was, too, it was still rooted in a specific way. Instead of allowing God to say, God, have your way. I wanted to plant a church in California, first of all, not Oregon. See, that's what I want. And I want to do this, because that's what I want. But God has wants, and God has purposes, and God has plans. And I had to learn to surrender. And as I was doing that and I was working, I went through this study in the Gospels. And all I did was read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, repetitively, over and over for a full year. And it was during that time that I was like, Jesus, you're so amazing. And that is where making much of Jesus came because I saw so much in Jesus in those repetitive going through the Gospels over and over again. And so I launched this ministry, which started as just a blog to a couple family members and close friends. And then grew. And then there were 50 people. Then there were 100. And then at the top, I had over 2,000 people interacting with um, different blogs and things, particularly a series called Finding Joy, when the darkness doesn't lift. And so as all this happened, I had an opportunity to speak. And the speaking opportunity came from Sunrise Church Hillsboro. At that time, the executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Howard, had been pursuing and asking me multiple times. He had somehow got connected to my Making Much Christ Ministries um, website. Um, I can't remember how. And he had been following. He was like one of the main readers, <laughs> actually, um, in terms of his interactions with it. And he just was on a mission to get me to speak to the leaders and pastors and said, you have a word for our pastors and leaders there. And I said, no, three times, like Peter, <laughs> right? And then, uh, and then with, with, with wisdom and counsel, I accepted the opportunity to do that and we're going to look at a snippet of what I spoke at my very first interaction with the leadership team at a conference called uh, Sweetly Broken, Stuck, Stalled and Stagnant, Sunrise Church. Sweetly Broken, Lessons I've Learned in Suffering. The day kicked off like so many days before had began. I woke up early at 5.30 a.m. The reverberation of my alarm was just rowdy enough to awaken me from my sleep. 
yet quiet enough to keep my wife reposed. I rolled out of bed to the familiar cool of the brown-colored tile beneath my feet. Without hesitation, I dropped to all fours. Push-ups, pull-ups, and a variety of other exercises were a daily staple to begin my day. Now, with eyes wide open, I made the familiar beeline to my home office just down the hall to my left. Each morning I aimed to prepare mentally, spiritually, and emotionally for the day ahead. This was to be accomplished by sitting in the presence of the Lord, under His Word, in communion with Him. I told myself this was quintessential for me to stay healthy. You see, leading my family well, pastoring full-time, teaching part-time history at the high school, and running my Christian athletic training business was a heavy load. But I was productive. There was security in feeling productive. Yet in all reality, this productivity did little to draw me closer to the presence of the Lord. And though I strive to be diligent in my devotion time with the Lord, more often than not, it was hollow, and I was desperate for my fire to be rekindled in a fresh new way. In retrospect, it's easy to see that I was oscillating between various responsibilities, accomplishing them all in the name of the Lord. The things of God were becoming my God, and because all my trades were Christ-centered, I had subconsciously reinforced within myself that doing God's work was the same as being God's workmanship. Beautiful silence was quickly replaced with the pitter-patter of my toddler's little feet. The familiar harmonizing of their cute demands for my undivided attention was fully manifested by 6.30 a.m. With my wife now stirring from a type of deep slumber I could only dream of, it was official. Another ordinary day of my life was fully in motion, but this day would be like no previous day of my life. Soon I would shower, eat, kiss the wife, and off I was to church just like any other day. After a productive staff meeting had concluded, I headed to a chiropractic appointment to address a nagging impingement I had been working through. It was now about 10.30 a.m. This would be my first time experiencing this form of therapy and I was cautiously optimistic. Fully convinced that a quick remedy was just beyond the horizon, I walked into the office as a 26-year-old, fairly healthy young man. But little did I know that on this day of October 22, 2012, my life would never be the same. I was unknowingly about to enroll into the University of Suffering, and this school would test me in ways I could never have imagined. I'm still currently enrolled in this University of Suffering. Now, at the age of 30, I have lived and graduated from some of the most beautifully painful classes imaginable, each containing glorious insights of wisdom, power, and perspective. Perhaps some of you are struggling internally with your own type of suffering as well. It doesn't always have to be physical like mine. Oftentimes it's emotional or spiritual suffering. Is that you today? Are you secretly suffering and experiencing devastating doubt about God, your circumstances, your worth, your effectiveness, your purpose, or God's goodness? If that's you today, or someone you know, I need you to listen closely. Are you ready? 
all suffering is not created equal, nor is all pain equal in distinction. To experience the sorrows of life apart from a loving, genuine relationship with the God of the Bible, to endure seasons of darkness separate from the blood-bought grace delivered through the passion of Jesus Christ, to navigate suffering in your own understanding is to be comprehensively shattered. But to trust God and to find Him most pleasurable and all-satisfying, irrespective of your circumstances, and especially in seasons of drought, is to actually live. Don't you want to live? For you cannot experience the love of God until you have been tested. And I have been tested. I have lost and experienced and been tested in ways that simply cannot fit in the time we have today. You name it, I've lost it. My house, cars, possessions, savings, independence, career. But that's a testimony in and of itself for another day. But oh, how I have gained immeasurably more than I could have ever imagined. You see, I have learned what it means to trust God with all my heart. I have learned the ineffectiveness of leaning on your own understanding and the folly of being wise in your own eyes. I have learned that in any and every circumstance to be content and at peace. I have learned the magnitude of a repentant heart and its effect on the body, mind, and soul. I have learned what it means to be a child of God before a husband, father, pastor, or friend. I have learned the power of doing less, which leads to more. I have learned patience, humility, and the importance of loyalty. I have learned how to have a real, robust, Christ-centered joy that is so deeply rooted in supremely finding Christ Jesus as supremely valuable that my heart overflows with joy. I have learned how to cry and mourn in beautifully productive ways. I have learned what it means to live open-handedly. I have learned and I have found my joy and satisfaction in God despite my circumstances. I've learned how to be alive in Christ. I am greatly afflicted. God is good. And I have learned that these two statements are not in tension with each other. I have learned that it is okay to not be okay. But the Bible-believing Christian must not stay that way. So this was the exhortation that I had at that leadership conference, and it was a huge transition for me as a communicator, someone who spent my entire time since 19 communicating about God and being a light, and I had went silent for several years, um, didn't want to speak about anything. And this was my first time opening my mouth again and declaring in a public way that God was and is good. And one thing that I said in there that I do want to just, just share with you guys do not underestimate what's going on in your private world, your soul, and how it affects the body. Because as I got healthy in the spiritual way, my body followed. My body followed my spiritual body. The physical body is still subservient to the God of the universe. And so then I had to learn to walk by faith and by love.
Walking by Faith and Love. December of 2017. After several months of meetings, Brandon was brought on as a pastoral staff coach for the leadership at Sunrise Church. Armed with the responsibility of encouraging and caretaking for other pastors' private world, Brandon would begin ministering the concept of redemption into the staff. Over time, Brandon would continue to physically heal, eventually leading him to become the young adult pastor of the church. And it was through this pathway of ministry at Sunrise that the next major collision story would occur. So if you're following along well, there's been some collisions already. My story had a first collide with my wife's story as I shared with her a vision that God gave. And she first had to get on board and, and, and believe in that by faith. And then we had to collide our story with Adrian's and Justin and Vanessa's story. And that and that without these collisions, there is no Rim City Church. I wouldn't I would never ever be in Oregon. I'm a California boy through and through. I don't like the rain, guys. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, but God was writing a story and that collision led finances and everything to get me here to Oregon. But that wasn't the only collision. I needed more collision stories. And this collision with Sunrise was something that had to happen. And so as I stepped into this position, I did not put all of my attention on a church plant. Um, let's not, this isn't a Disney channel. So yeah, it's like, wow, he became the pastor. This is good on paper. No, I, so this is what it really looked like. I was picked up by um, multiple deacon-like men or pastors of the church in the morning and afternoon. I would put in an hour and a half to two hour days, be spent, completely spent in so much pain, I, but I would try to act like I wasn't. And God would continue to be faithful as I was faithful with a little bit. God entrusted me with more. I, folks, I need you to hear this this morning. You have got to take care of what God gives you. If he has given you this little piece over here, you have to be faithful. Stop praying big things. Show God you're faithful with what he's given you. You don't need to ask God for anything. God will lavish things upon you. I could not worry about a church plant. That's a young man's mentality. I said, God, you have opened a door for me to spend one hour and 30 minutes amongst this church who, for whatever, just like God closes Pharaoh's heart, opens up the mouth of lions, God works, even through adversity. Even the adversity that I would experience, even in my ministry experience at Sunrise, God was working his story and it superseded everybody else's story, including my own. And so I said, I got an hour and a half and I'm going to give every single thing that I have to every single meeting. And, and, and in that, I believe the Holy Spirit moved and these staff members would open up their lives in ways that I do not deserve for them to open their lives to. I would meet with people, not even at sunrise, off campus because they were sharing things and they were looking over their left and their right the whole time. I'm like, we can't even get deep. Let's get you in a, in a, in a safe place where you feel safe, pastor so-and-so. And they would share deep things, right? Things that would be super difficult to admit out loud in, in, in public, but God was doing a work. And then all of a sudden I stayed for two hours. See, this is a lost concept in America. And then it was two hours and 30. There wasn't a two hours that God heals me and I can do an eight hour shift. And then it was two hours and 30 minutes. And then it was two hours and 45 minutes. Faithfulness, faithfulness in the little. And so as I began to do this, I called it, I moved to room nine at Sunrise Church and I, and I, and I got my little corner 
and, and my wife set me up a little boundary and, 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 and a little rug and a little, little table and a pitcher and a little waterfall. And I prayed over my corner office. Get it? It's a corner, but only an office. I prayed over my corner office and I said, if I spend the rest of my days doing what I'm doing in this corner office, I'm going to do it to the glory of God. I'm content. People would always ask me, young men would ask me, I'm satisfied. I don't need more. And it wasn't until I didn't need more that God then entrusted me with more. I'm building a bridge. Because if we want to see God move as a church here at Redemption, we are going to have to be content with what the Lord has given us. Amen? Amen? Amen. And that led to the church plant resolve. The Church Plant Resolve, October 16, 2018, before God and each other, Brandon and his lead assistant Ezekiel, alongside Jillian's loving support, resolved to align their efforts and time to finally plant that church the Lord has so vividly placed upon Brandon's heart. This would be a church by faith, wherever the Lord might lead them. This would be a church that would be marked by redemption. Brandon and Jillian sowed the first seeds into the church with $5,200. Ezekiel would follow with the second seed of $800. Without any seed money from ascending church, things were put into motion with the target of fall of 2019. Redemption City Church has been in the works for a long time. And God has remained faithful. And so what happened in between this time is I continued to grow at sunrise. I would continue to be faithful to what was given to me. And in that is when I got the opportunity to meet Ezekiel. So even though he's just coming just a couple months ago, our story starts quite a bit ago. And we made that resolve and, and, and we prepared to use our lives for the glory of God. And it was in that collision story that helped push me to the next place. Because though I was being faithful with what God had given me in the little, always prepared for them to give me more. There was a, I needed to be pushed a little bit because <laughs> I was getting a little bit content. And God used Ezekiel to say, hey, wake up. Here it comes. This is the time. Let's get going. Because uh, he was very, very, he was ready to go and he was hungry. And so I had to say, I got to get more ready. <laughs> right. And so God used that and that helped push me and reorientate my mind and to get some of those juices flowing again. But like with everything, are you seeing how life works? This is like the Disney, and then it was all better. It all end. That's not life. We're not living in the Disney child narrative. The Disney child narrative. This is how life works until eternity. You endure. You increase your faith. God blesses. Opposition. Repeat. The only thing that should be happening in this repetitive cycle, though, is that you keep getting stronger and how you deal with it next time. Here comes the next opposition. The opposition. March 2019, great adversity would strike that would dramatically alter and completely halt the plan, timing, and execution of the church plan. Ezekiel would return to Washington, and Brandon would re-enter a waiting season, waiting upon God to show him what was next to come. Hey, that sucks. How many of you have been through things in your life where you're like, you finally thought things were turning up, and then they don't? Talk about having the wind knocked out of you. The wind was knocked out of me ridiculously in March of 2019. It was, mar it was so knocked out of me. 
I had invested so much into preparing myself for this that I didn't know if I could, if I had anything left for this thing called God, His Kingdom, and Church. This took me to the guys I had already been through. I already had climbed five mountains to get to that point. To be knocked all the way back down to nothing, not starting, where's God, what are we doing, almost took me completely out. There are many things that occurred in this opposition season. And I believe over time, you guys will get to hear more and more of that story because it's important how we deal with opposition. And Ezekiel will have his opportunity to share some of that opposition with you guys too at a later date. But God is faithful. Do we serve a faithful God? Yes. Because we have to know this. We're going to experience difficult times in our church. You're going to experience difficult times in your families, in your homes. But God is faithful. I want you to see God throughout this story. I want you to see how he's working. I want you to see him keep showing up. So here was the Lord's answer. God's answer. The answer. April 9th, 2019. And God would provide faithful helpers as more stories would collide. Hearing Brandon's vision for ministry, church, and redemption, Jack and Vanessa, alongside Brandon and Jillian, resolved despite much adversity to activate the vision of planting a church by faith, a church marked by redemption. Countless hours were spent discerning locations between Oregon, Texas, and California. It was during this time that Redemption City Church was firmly set into motion. Great sacrifices would continue to transpire to prepare the fertile ground for the church plant. This is, this is, this is a cool thing. I was going to therapy. I had made the resolve that I was going to, I said, you know, uh, I said, Lord, March, March, is, March sucks. <laughs> but I dealt with it. And I have dealt with a lot and so I knew what where to go which was to my Heavenly Father and so I came to my wife this was I'm still a lot of details in this there was a lot a lot of pain a lot of tears all that but I came to Jillian and I said I don't really know how I don't know how this is gonna work but I'm gonna plant this church babe and she's like okay and I'm gonna help and so Jillian made the resolve to begin to look um, aggressively at a job transfer out of her job Guys, my wife was in, was responsible for over a hundred and something employees, top big boss lady <laughs> in her job. And um, she now works over 30 employees in a much smaller context because she wanted to be more available to join and, and to partner and to, and to make sure that um, I, I had the support I needed. And I'm forever grateful for the, the sacrifice and the ease of how you do that so well. And uh, I'm going to therapy because I needed help getting to therapy, folks, especially then. Um, and a lot of things were, were changing at that season. It was just like simple things like, how am I going to get to therapy, <laughs> right? But God was faithful. And so Jack is, uh, Pastor Jack, excuse me. <laughs> Pastor Jack uh, is picking me up for therapy. And uh, I get in the car and I sit down and we're driving. And he says, this is Pastor Jack, by the way, uh, Sunrise, you know, kids pastor, you know, the famous, you know, beloved. Yeah, okay. Um, and he goes, hey, and you know how Pastor Jack is. He's like, you know, I, I'm just long-winded. You guys know that. Look, it's 55 minutes on the sermon. Just give me a break, right? So <laughs> Pastor Jack is not, right? He has he's Mr. Brevity, right? And so who, who does this? He goes, what would it look like if I plant the church with you? Just, just that's how the conversation started, right? And I'm like, 
what? <laughs> you know? He's like, what would it look like if I went with you? Now he's uber sarcastic. You guys know that about Pastor Jack, right? So I'm not really interacting with him. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, whatever. And then he like leans in, turns his whole neck and he says, I'm not playing. And I'm like, <laughs> and that led to a whole bunch of conversations, right? And I was like, oh, I remember this one. And I was like, What's the best thing about that? He says, we haven't got that far. I'm talking to you, right? <laughs> and so I'm talking to him. We're, 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 we're talking, and we start dreaming. All right, now we're going to get the wives involved. That's when it gets serious, right? So, so we talk to the wives, right? And so Vanessa comes, and we start having, I mean, we're meeting every day, multiple hours. Holy Spirit's moving, and, and we're, we're figuring it out. Um, we, we looked at Texas for a, a brief moment. Pastor Jack said he's not going to Texas, so that was the end of that. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's fine. And, and it really came down to California or Oregon. And let me tell you, me and my wife wanted to go to California. We made it very, very clear. They, they knew this. <laughs> Pastor Jack and Sister Vanessa prefer to stay in Oregon. So we have a problem, <laughs> right? And so me and Jillian, we kind of prayed, and we came into our last meeting. We... And they were prepared to give their final exhortation. And we're going to give our final exhortation. And I said, hey, we're not having no final exhortations. We're going to commit to Oregon. And, and, and then things picked up quick. And we said some things in private to them about how, what we needed from them to stay in Oregon. They agreed. We prayed. And we resolved. And this church wouldn't be here if it was not for that collision story. Do you see? Collision after collision after collision, but that's that's not enough. God is even bigger than that. He's he was he's been so good, and he continued to do more. More stories started colliding. More stories colliding. April twelfth through June two thousand nineteen, Brandon and Jack meet with several core families to both cast and invite them into the vision and mission of Redemption City Church. At the conclusion of the invitation season, about 14 adults and six children across seven families would join Brandon and Jack to plant Redemption City Church. Many of you are here right now, and I remember sitting in um, Caleb and Amanda's home and sitting down. Where's Caleb? Where's, where's my friend? Sitting with Caleb, and, and I'm like, Caleb, what do you think of all this? Just total resolve. It didn't, didn't blink, just said, I trust my wife's vision. This is what she believes. I'm good. I'm done. It was pretty much, that's about all he said, you know, but it was powerful. And then he went into sharing about how they had been part of a church plant and how they would drive over an hour. I listen well, Caleb. They would drive over an hour just to go to church because that's the, the and me and Pastor Jack were like, oh, we're starting to see God. Oh, that's who the core families are. The core families are the type of people that drive an hour to be a part of a church plant when they feel called by God. Hmm. And we met with Dora and Joseph, and this is my first time, and Pastor Jack's making it very clear to me. They are very important to him, so I better not mess up, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And so me with them, trying to do my best. Hi. <laughs> you know, it goes on and on and on. Met, meeting with Caitlin, you know, so, hey, Caitlin, you know, and oh, Caitlin was, before I can even finish my story, she's like, I want you to know, I've already been thinking about this since young adults when you mentioned it. And I was like, well, praise God. So this is what God's doing. So I think, I'm over here thinking that I know what God's doing. And God is, is, is preparing stories. He's stirring up Caitlin's affections months before I know. He's working, pre-working in Joseph and Dora before they even know. He's, he's continuing a conversation with Amanda that had been going on for months and months in her own heart. God writes the stories. 
meeting with Jesse. Jesse's one. Of, where, where, where's my friend? Meeting with Jesse, right? Who's perverting adults and just she's so so faithful. She is the Jesse Sanders in the dictionary says faithful. That's what it means, right? Just so faithful, being so patient. God was colliding stories. Every one of you guys are a part of that. If I did not mention you, and that led to our launch on June 9th. The launch, June 9th, two thousand nineteen. By God's incredible grace and mercy, the incredible vision and mission given to Brandon for a church plant, jointly strategized, prayed for, and workshopped with Ezekiel, activated and labored in dynamic love and support with Jack and Vanessa, and partnered with alongside seven core families, Redemption City Church was launched at the Arbory. And that was an awesome day, was it not? That was an awesome, awesome day for us to have our very first official service as a church but that little church on that day does not happen without this whole backstory filled with people beyond myself this church is so much of a vision that god gave me but it is so much of a vision that's enlarged well beyond me and that is good news and that leads to the harvest january 12 2020 today we stand with 40 amazing regular attenders, 16 of whom are now glad covenant members of this beautiful church in our only eighth month. We are the statistically unlikely church plant. God has done an amazing thing. Amen? Amen. Has he been good to us? Yes. Has he been good to you? Yes. He's been incredibly good to me. I want to share with you who our glad covenant members are in order of how God has brought them in. So you see, these are our covenant members, how God has been writing the story and bringing them in to our church. And on behalf of Redemption City Church, we as elders and pastors are humbled that each and every one of you have made a decision to say yes in this covenantal type of a way. And those who are regular tenders who are being so faithful to show up, contributing financially, please, whenever I talk about covenant members, it is not to the, is not in spite of what I see God doing in and through this church and how you're working. We would not be where we're at without both our regular tenders and our covenant members. And I do want to take this time to encourage anyone who has not made that next step to, to join our story in that covenantal way. We need you, all right? We need you to continue to build this story. I want you to be a part of that, all right? That's an awesome, awesome thing. So what we see is in the beginning, what, what, what part of the story are we in? Are we in the beginning? Are we in the middle? Are we in a transition? And I want, to make the, I want to make the argument that we are in a transition time of a story. It's like a full story has happened. There was a beginning where there was a lot of not, things we could not see. Then we had the middle where things became clear and we knew that there were critical events and decisions to be made. And there's kind of like an ending. We made it. We're a church. We have people in it. We're, 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 we're starting from what it means to thrive. But now we're preparing to transition. So let's look at this verse one more time. And I really want to lean into this part that I, pulled in, I put in bold out of Acts chapter 14. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to really intentionalize the end. And when Paul and Barnabas had spoken the word in Perga, we're almost done, lean in with me. They went down to Adaliah and from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that had to be that had fulfilled that they had fulfilled and when they arrived and gathered the church together they declared all that god had done with them and today is about you guys knowing all that god has done in and through redemption city church from the beginning till now so you can be ambassadors to tell people that god is moving in this church 
and that this is a great place for you to experience God moving. And how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And I believe God wants to open a great door of faith for us to take our next steps. And so with that being said, I want to now close our sermon in a prayer. And I want you to join with me in prayer, like actually praying under your breath for God to bless our church. And then we're going to have a couple follow-up conversations. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good God. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being a great supplier. Thank you for being a chief physician in and through my life. Thank you for preserving me through adversities and oppositions and letting me learn how to be a long sufferer and endure. Now, God, I ask that you would continue to move these things that you have given me out amongst your people. Let us be known and marked by every one of our DNAs, Lord. We want to be marked by the gospel, not in word, but in deed. We want to be marked by gathering, not by word, but in our action. We want to be marked by radical biblical manhood and womanhood, not by word, but by life. And we want to be marked by unity in the family. We want to be marked by these things in and through our life. But God, we are going to need your help via the power of the Holy Spirit to increase and to enlarge our faith beyond our own strength so we can do big things for your kingdom. But Lord, we want deep roots before we have big things. Help us to be faithful with what you've entrusted to us, not counting it as insignificant, but as the richest jewelry in the world or in the universe. Now, God, bust open the doors of our church and our faith and prepare us for this upcoming Saturday in our follow-up conversation where we get real practical about where you are sending us, what's required, and what our part is in that. It's because of your beautiful, magnificent, uninterrupted name we pray. Amen.